Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. My name is Ben Ballas, aka Brittle Gash. Joining me, as always, from Newcastle, his name on Reddit is Rickman Lives. His name everywhere else is Jackson. Jackson, how's it going, buddy? I'm a little bit dusty after a work function um, last night, uh, so forgive me if I sound flat or disinterested or just plain hungover, but I am, I'm very happy to be here, very happy to be speaking to you as, as per usual, Ben. How are you, how are you man? Well, first of all, you, you could have gotten away with the, uh, the the flatness from just the the current state of the of the not only the Celtics season but the NBA regular season. It, it would so, be um, it would be remiss of me not to say that's contributing to my to my uh, my mood and enthusiasm as well too. But uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, and possibly all of our drinking as well. But um, <laughs> mm, we'll, yeah. we'll get to that coming up on the show. We'll touch ever so briefly on the recent victory over the Cavaliers, as well as what, if anything, there is to look forward to through this final stretch of the season. And of course, we'll get to the Reddit recap. But first, two days ago now, the Celtics went into Cleveland and fought off the Cavaliers 116-106, to largely thanks to us finally out-rebounding a team and shooting 51% from the field, which didn't hurt either. Um, the Cavs game, uh, what are you, the immediate sort of takeaways and thoughts and reactions to this one, Jackson? The immediate takeaway is I'm relieved to have won because I feel like another loss there. Even though we're even though we're well past the point of sort of caring at this stage of the regular season, that would have just been like just another another low point, I feel. Even like depend regardless of how it would have come, it just would have been like just more ammo for, for naysayers and for disgruntled Celtics fans to just unload some more. So it's nice to get the win. Um my biggest takeaway was it from it was Jason Tatum just can never like crack 30 but i know he's done it once but he just it seems like he's just he's got like a contractual stipulation that he's not allowed to score more than 30 (laughs) points because he was on fire to start with like he was he was taking good shots like a lot of long twos granted but like you know he was being found open and he was shooting appropriately and it was all great and he had 21 at the half and then he didn't he took what three more shots for the rest of the game and i just i can't for the life of me understand why that's a thing let in that game let alone it seems throughout the course of the season he'll he'll always have a good solid first half yeah and it just it just never seems to like he never seems to like take over and that was like kind of the impression we were getting from him like 
earlier in his career. Like, is he going to be too much of a ball hog? Is he going to take these contested shots? The problem is he gets to a certain point and they, they don't seem to find him or he doesn't seem to take any more shots anyway. Like, is that, what, what do you reckon is going on there? Well, yeah, so he did have a, a huge first half and I was stoked and, and Scal was all over it on the call. Like, I think Tatum, he kind of bricked his first couple of shots and then he hit one really smoothly and, and Scal was like, it only takes one shot. And from that point onwards, he was hitting like everything. And then in the second half, they, they did go to him a few times quite early on, but like the the defense adjusted. Like the Cavaliers, like credit to them, they, they made some good adjustments. And anytime the ball went to Tatum, uh, he like, it was forced out of his hands essentially. So a lot of people on Reddit, Twitter, sort of complaining about Brad Stevens and the team not feeding the hot hand there. But I, I did think they actually tried to go to Tatum a couple of times early in, in the second half, but it just wasn't happening. And that's definitely still a gap in Tatum's game where instead of realizing that the defense was adjusting according to his, his first half, uh, he just tried to force these long twos and he, he missed them. That took him out of his rhythm and then he wasn't able to recover from there. So hopefully as, as Tatum's game matures a little bit, he can start to realize um, when defenses adjust to to him getting hot early and can sort of continue to move the ball and, and do things like that to keep the offense going. So... I don't, know, I don't necessarily agree with some of the folks out there that, you know, we, we didn't continue to go to him. I thought we tried and we failed quite early in that second half and then we moved on. And the the, the one positive takeaway from that is that the Celtics in, in winning this game were actually able to adjust themselves and, and find a way to score outside mm. of Tatum. So that, that's probably the, the positive takeaway there. Yeah, and that's a very like Tatum-centric take, like the way that I put it. But like <laughs> at the end of the day, if you, if you, can, if you can put up 20, 21, 5, and 4 in a win without Kyrie... Like, that's good enough. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, I'm absolutely, like, not complaining that he didn't get 40. I would love to see him have, like, just a red-hot, like, Devin Booker-ish sort of game. I mean, who wouldn't um, want to see their dudes do that? But um, like, in the grand scheme of things, man, if he can give, give us that kind of performance, even if it's just as lopsided as scoring all his points in one half, and then the rest of the team, like Marcus Smart and Gordon Hayward, for example, picked up the slack a bit in the second half, then, you know, that, that's good enough for the team, really. Yeah, I think at this point, we just want to see shots going down. And yeah. Tatum went into this game cold as ice. He'd been, I haven't got the stats in front of you, but I think we read him out in the last show. Really, really, really noticeably cold. I think yeah. it was something like 18% from three over the past five to 10 games. Mm. Um, three of five tonight, which um, equates to 60%. I say tonight, the game was two days ago. Uh, 53% from the field overall and just like confident. And as soon as he gets away from, from hesitating and, and stepping in, hesitating and taking those long twos and just it just actually spots up and takes those long threes immediately that's when his shot starts to fall and there was a bit more confidence and a bit more decisiveness in his shots against the Cavs and you know it um, turned out turned out well for him so yeah. hopefully we get some of that from him heading into the postseason just finally on Tatum I would probably like to see him add his uh, halfway three-point like prayer shot uh, utilized more because he did win- <laughs> he won the skills challenge that way and since all-star break that's when that's when the uh, the downturn has happened so maybe he just needs to throw up some more of them like Steph Curry halfway threes and and maybe that's maybe that's just going to be his thing from now. Maybe that's how he's going to crack forty eventually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess he's hit like a hundred percent of those on camera, right? Yeah. So you know, <laughs> it's his only career accolade to this point. He got it that way. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, man, keep going to it. Yeah, uh, I want to call out Horford as well. I had a, a tweet during the game that the the one thing that Horford and I have in in common is that we can get our jobs done in like half the working day. I say that because Horford was on a minutes restriction. Got his stats here. He finished a plus eleven nineteen. Points, eight rebounds, five assists, a block. Like he just, 
it was just efficient. He was it was sort of classic Horford, seven for ten from the field, um, mm. and yet he was kind of barely on the court. And, and Bainesy picked up a lot of the slack there as well. Um, it was just really good to see, and that's that's the kind of Horford that we want, you know, in rhythm heading into the postseason as well. You can hear that a lot during this episode, heading into the postseason, because mm-hmm. that's where we're headed. Surprise, surprise. But um, Horford, you know, back after a, a short absence there, and um, continues to be the the backbone of this team. Yeah, yeah, he's such a he's such a great example to like all NBA players, let alone um, you know, the, his Celtics teammates as well too. To, to have be on that kind of men's restriction and to like you know make yourself utilize yourself and your skills in that way to that kind of contribution like it was it was a great performance from him and yeah it, it exactly to like say it for the second time it's great to see this kind of you know form heading into the playoffs yeah and a user on the post game thread tenube shout out to tenube i believe is australian uh wrote i know it's awesome. just cleveland but they've been playing better of late so i was happy with this win says tenube you know i guess we would expect a win over Cleveland, but they had been playing quite well. We had been playing quite bad. So this wasn't necessarily an, a nothing win for the Celtics, which is two days later, I guess, why like we're still talking about yeah. it today. It's just like, hang on to this like nugget of, of positivity. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I don't have the stats in front of me. I'm sure that they're out there somewhere. But like when I see those city edition jerseys that we've got with like the the, the white with the green trim and like the yellow around mm-hmm. the numbers. I remember yeah. the first time we wore those, we lost at home to the Knicks. So Ooh, yeah. I, ever since I see them, I'm just kind of reminded of that game, that 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 horse shit. So yeah, if you're playing like a a, a team that's beatable <laughs> and they're wearing those jerseys, I've got this uh, sort of feeling straight up. So um, I'm, like, I'm sure there's nothing to that, but it was just something that I know. Maybe, maybe the curse has been broken. Um, Marcus Smart in this game, 57% from the field. He's he's kind of um, trending upwards, 40% from three, like becoming um. Not becoming, but but snapping back into his form from you know a quarter of a season ago. Twenty one points, plus eighteen assists, rebounds, steals. Obviously, three of them. Um, the thing that I've really enjoyed about Marcus Smart, I think this season from the fan perspective is um, like falling. I'm not going to say falling in love because I did that years ago, but falling in trust with Marcus Smart. Like he, I always. Am comfortable when he has the ball, or is or is heavily involved in the offense or the defense. Like he's just very much like Gordon Hayward and Al Horford, a, a heady, reliable, smart decision maker. Mm. Yeah, I feel like his shots are a lot more. Um, uh, they're a lot better advised, for lack of a better. Uh, term there like he would used to just chuck up threes and as soon as it would happen everyone would just put their head in their hands and if it went in it was like it was like found money and if it missed then no one was surprised it's at the stage now where if he's got a good open shot i'm now expecting it to go down and if it misses you, you just you kind of just throw your hands and be like what the fuck but um <laughs> he's yeah he's like it's the fact that his his shot and his offense in general has haven't had has had an element of reliability about it this season um, is a, is a tremendous sign, and I think going forward too, if he is still here next season, not to get into all that trade stuff again, but yeah. um, I, I do expect to see him his shot either continue to get better or at least maintain what he's got. And if he's got that, then like he's you know he's 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 on his way to being like a really really formidable NBA player. Yeah, absolutely. User Shelton ninety seven had a it was a top comment on the uh, on the post game thread, or maybe it was the next day thread, and I, I believe it uh, eventually became its own post on Celtics Reddit. And I've just summarized a few of their points here because it was quite a long post. Highly recommend checking out Shelton 97's post. They wrote, "Terry has the b-ball IQ of a brick, <laughs> and he's a god awful defender." Uh, 
I, <laughs> I don't think you, you struggle to find someone who disagrees with that point at this point in time. But um, he's who we have as our backup point guard hang, heading into the playoffs, and I don't think we're going to see a lot of Wanamaker, Brad Wanamaker, no. uh, in the postseason. So we just have to hope for Scary Terry to show up. Mm. Um, any confidence there in, in Terry Rogier Jackson heading towards the tail end of the season into the playoffs? If we have to rely, if we have to rely on him to get us over the line, then yeah, you, you're damn right. I'm I'm worried. Um, but look, all he's got to do is just not shit the bed when he's out there. Like if he, mm-hmm. if he, if, he, if like all things considered, Kyrie's healthy and good to go for the playoffs. He's obviously starting every single game and playing high minutes. I mean, I would like to hope that's the case anyway. Um. But yeah, so like all he's got to do is just is just not perform badly when he's in there, and that's going to be good enough for me. That's like a bit sad. Like you can look at like other backup point guards, and they can really make a difference. Like Fred VanVleet, for for example, is, is great for the Raptors in that role. Um, you know, Bledsoe and George Hill too. Again, like a, a decent, reliable point guard yeah. to have. Terry Rogier is yeah. You you have to we have to hope at this stage for Scary Terry to show up rather than like rely or be able to bank on whatever performances, whatever kind of performance he's going to give us in these games too. So it's not the greatest position to be in heading into the playoffs, but <laughs> like it's, it's, it's the best we've got, isn't it? Can we just say like, this isn't in the, this isn't in the run sheet. I'm afraid, but I can just bring this up. We re-signed Greg Monroe and are probably not going to use him. Did you think it would be beyond the realms of possibility to try and get Shane Larkin back? Cause I miss, uh, I, I, I miss that uh, dude, man. Yeah. He was a Shane. Yeah. I, I I think he's tied up in Turkey, or yeah. I think he actually has contractual obligations, and I can't speak for him. But given sort of this tumultuous season, like maybe he's sitting pretty over there. Maybe he's he's pretty happy. He could, yeah, um, he, could, he could be he could be glad he's not anywhere near this. I, I I don't want to use the word dumpster fire, but yeah, something of that ilk. Well, we we might we might wrap the whole thing up with that, but uh, no, no, of course not. Yeah. Oh, we'll see. Um, Shelton ninety seven also goes on to write: Hayward has to be more involved in the offense. Absolutely, has to be more involved in the offense. Mm-hmm. When the ball is in Hayward's hands, good things tend to happen. He's one of the few players on this team who isn't boneheaded and makes the right play every time. Shoots his shots or keeps the ball moving. That is high level basketball. And this is what I was saying about Marcus Smart earlier. Like Hayward um, is in that, that tier of, of player, at least within this team. Um, and, you know, I, I watched the whole Cavs game. Um, I Every time the ball went to Hayward or Hayward sent the ball off elsewhere, good things happened. Like the input or output via Gordon Hayward was almost always positive. And regardless of, you know, his athleticism or, you know, at sometimes lack thereof, like that's a really good player to have on the court. And I, I, I feel really confident in that and in Hayward heading into the playoffs as well yeah it would just it would just be the best it would completely flip this season on its head if Hayward in the playoffs just kind of came became or went back to what he was um for Utah and he was more involved in the offense and the ball was in his hands more and he was shooting and he was taking it to the basket confidently like we're still waiting for this integration of Hayward into the team to to look like how we expect it to look there's been glimpses of it there like the golden state game every time we play the timberwolves obviously but uh, like i don't feel like it's just clicked yet we still see glimpses of it we're still seeing a progress there so like if i could if i could make one if i could have one realistic wish come true for this celtics team it's that gordon hayward becomes gordon hayward a la 20 was it 16 of the utah jazz 
for this playoffs run because I think sure. I think I think we've said it before on the show. He's our biggest X factor. I think he he will ultimately be the difference in whether we go out in the first or second round or whether we make a serious push for the finals. Yeah, it's definitely our trump card or the ace up our sleeve or whatever you want to call it. Mm. If he can be, I mean, he played 30 minutes in this game. Normally he's been hovering around the sort of the 25 minute mark in, in, in games past. And uh, I think Larbird 33, shout out to Larbird 33. We were chatting on, on, um, on an unnamed internet chat platform <laughs> earlier. <laughs> and he was saying to me how he, he really likes the comments from, from Gordon Hayward and, and that's around the fact that he, he doesn't want to be rested or load managed, I think was the term that he used um, during this final stretch of the season. He wants to continue to develop this momentum and he's feeling really good physically and mentally and he wants to continue to sort of leverage that. And going back to what I was saying, we saw 30 minutes from him in, in a really good performance against the Cavs uh, relative to the rest of the season. Normally it's around the 25 minute mark. I think in the playoffs, you know, he's, we're going to see like 35 minutes from Hayward, yeah. whether it's as part of the starting lineup um, or off the bench, he'll definitely be in the closing lineup because of that reliability. Mm-hmm. And I think with that extra sort of ten to five minutes, we're we're gonna see added success from him, and and that'll have a flow on effect for the rest of the team as well. I think we're gonna be running things through Gordon Hayward a lot more. So that's that's something that I'm really excited about, and yeah. I just want him to do well, man. I just the whole thing, like the whole signing Gordon Hayward and being so stoked, and then like the obviously the injury and this whole this whole fucking thing yeah like i i just want him to do well more than anything really i just i really hope we see that yeah while we're quickly on the topic of of like sort of like dark sort of like ghosts of gordon <laughs> hayward's past injury we also i think we should um probably say just thoughts and prayers for uh use of nurkic as well i know we have oh a, definitely we have a special relationship with um i forget his name family guy one four seven seven exclamation 35 family guy 35 beg your pardon family guy 35 <laughs> uh blazers fan big respect for that big respect for, yeah. the, for the portland trailblazers um sucks that that happens um in that fashion um and yeah wish him a speedy recovery yeah that was that was brutal that was and, bad and did you did yeah. you see the ref like trip over his yeah. freshly broken leg. Yes, I did Ooh. see that. That was it's like the as if the visual and the sound wasn't enough. You get that like added <laughs> oh that added clumsy salt in the wound referee kicking. Holy shit! Yeah, no, no. Yeah, that was like a uh, sort of dark slapstick comedy. Like obviously, mm. obviously it's not funny, but no. like, but yeah, yeah. Is, I can I can, I can appreciate <laughs> I can appreciate like that like, if that would be as a scene in a movie. It's like oh my god. He's, grandma fell down the stairs and then someone just falls on top of her yeah so don't mean to make like a yeah. situation but yeah we can we can appreciate things like that i think and, yeah, yeah and still yeah. And feel I, bad for, for for mr nurkic and like you know apparently the surgery went well and it was a clean break and a clean fix and all that and he's going to be fine but um mm. similar situation there similar injury to to one gordon hayward uh and, and finally from shelton 97 because it was such a good well-rounded well thought out um monster comment uh he finishes with I honestly think Brad has this team prepared for the playoffs. You don't have to beat every team in the league. You have to beat four teams. Brad has a scheme for these four teams. Hence why we have played Toronto, Milwaukee, the 76ers, and the Golden State Warriors so well this year. Um, and I, I kind of leaned into that a lot cause as someone who um, whose like, overall mood and outlook on life depends quite heavily on how the Celtics are playing. Mm. Um, that, that, to me... Um, I don't know. Put me in good stead going forward and heading into this, uh, heading into this postseason. There it is again. Yeah, I, I'm of the same opinion. Like as dark as it's gotten throughout this season, I've always been able to lean on 
this team will ultimately be judged in the postseason. We will be judged by how well and how far we can go and how our performances are in the postseason. So um, I definitely believe Brad's got plans for for all the teams we're potentially going to meet. I would... Yeah, I guess you could say we have played all those teams pretty well. I think like the definitely when we've played them at home, bar that one uh, Bucks game, um, we've been fairly competitive with those teams. Uh, so we'll 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 have to see how the 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 next kind of mini series against the Pacers goes in the in the next um in the next like week or so, because um, obviously that's likely to be almost like definitely going to be our our first round opponents. So. Um, Let's just hopefully we can get through those two games, and if we can come, if we can come through those those encounters strongly, or at least not necessarily winning, but just performing well, I think that's I think that will is a good is a good omen. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, knowing that we were recording a podcast tonight, I made a post on Celtics Reddit, uh, which basically said, uh, in what could be considered a boring final stretch of this season, like what what things are people expecting, or what things are they excited about heading into this this final stretch of the season. Um, so a couple of comments there. Erolian Mode wrote that they're interested to see how Haywood plays for the remainder of the season. Um, and, you know, it's great that um, he said he doesn't need load management and that kind of thing. And as far as the actual playoffs go, uh, this commenter is hoping uh, that with the high stakes of the playoffs, that this team will actually get their asses into gear. I think that's been the hope for a lot of people, a lot of fans, that like we seem to show up for big games. Every game in the playoffs is a big game. Mm. Therefore, logic would deduce that we play well every game in the playoffs, but that's probably putting it a little too simply. Yeah, because, I mean, it's not like if this was the plan and everyone was on board with this, then there wouldn't be no, like, big meltdowns or, like, players-only meetings after, like, you know, blowing games against the likes of the Hornets and whatnot. Like, I, I there's still... This team wants to win. I mean, they definitely... You believe they want to win. They're professional athletes. It's their job to go out there and win basketball games. So if they're not doing that, as far as I'm concerned, they're not doing their job. So it feels a bit... It feels kind of... It doesn't. It doesn't feel fair, almost, that you can just like kind of piss away parts of the regular season and perform for the postseason. But that is what the goal of this team is. So I guess we'll just have to judge them when the postseason rolls around. Yeah, absolutely. So really, the the story for the remainder of of this of the regular season is, I guess, what we can all call the the battle for the fourth seed, right? Which I guess um, there's probably no point in saying this, but but whatever. At the start of the season, if we had said that we would be embroiled in this battle for the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference with the Pacers, um, like I, I probably wouldn't have watched a lot of a lot of the season. Yeah. But here we are. We're battling for the fourth season, and, and it is important because we want home court advantage for at least one series, which hopefully will allow us to develop some momentum heading into these other series where we we won't have the home court advantage, um, and so. Obviously, that's going to be against the Indiana Pacers, and we've got two games against the Pacers. The first one is Friday night if you're in the US, Saturday morning if you're in our time zone. Um, I don't know. How are you, are you confident, Jackson, heading into these these two? It's it's kind of like a mini two game series, right? Like it's a, yeah. it's a mini two game series before the the broader, larger playoff series. So, uh, do um, a couple of questions like how are you feeling going into this and do you think there's an element of both teams sort of not like showing their worth or playing their hands, obviously, because they're going to be scheming against one another. Um, like how do you feel that these two games will play out given that, like, I guess from Brad Stevens perspective, he's not going to want to show necessarily his best plays mm. um, to, to put 
Nate McMillan and Co in a position to sort of scheme against them. Yeah, I, I would I, I would trust Brad Stevens and the coaching staff that that's in front of their minds when it comes to these kind of performances. I think as important as it is to get the fourth seed, and we should definitely try and win both of these games to our best ability. There is there's a longer game here, so if that means not putting out certain lineups and not running certain schemes and not you know playing in a certain way that they believe is going to be the right way to play against the Pacers in a seven-game series, then I'm, I'm more than happy for that. I think, I think we're going to split um, these games. I think we're going to beat them at home. I think we're probably going to lose to them um, on the road. Uh, and I would be, I'd be fine with that as long as... I don't know if there's any caveat to that, really. I would be, fi- I would be fine with going one-on-one. It's, it's, it's just the, it is purely the postseason that I'm, that I'm worried about. So win... I was going to say win, lose, draw, win or lose. Um, I think I, I think they're going to go about it. I think Brad Stevens, the coaching staff, is going to go about it the right way. Yeah, I mean, the, I guess the main reason for winning both games would be that would hopefully guarantee us the fourth seed and mm. therefore home court advantage. Uh, you know, the, the paces have been great. So defensive rating overall for the entire season, Boston a fifth currently, surprisingly. Uh, and the paces are third. Mm. which is like pretty great considering not that over um Oladipo is known for his defensive presence but you know the fact that the Pacers have been hamstrung with this injury in, in the third overall for the entire season that's uh that's impressive but the last 10 games the Pacers are ninth which is a little little drop for the Pacers over the past 10 mm. the Celtics are 26 yeah. 26 in the league overall in defense in the past 10 games mm-hmm. and you know the Pacers they move the ball they play as a team Really, really going to need to step that shit up uh, for us to have any chance, home court advantage or or otherwise. Yeah. So um, uh, that, that worries me a little bit. That does worry me a little bit. As far as the offensive rating of the last 10 games, the Celtics are 6, surprisingly. The Pacers are 28th. So while they've got this amazing defense, they've been top 10, whether you look at the entire season or the last 10 games, they're 28th overall over the last 10 games offensively. And I, I do think that... While the Celtics look to lock down their defense, they could probably take advantage of that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think we're still kind of hanging our hat on the mythical playoff Kyrie in a Celtics uniform showing up here. And I think as good as that defense is, when player when I'm gonna stop saying playoff Kyrie, when Kyrie Irving in general is on his game, there I, I couldn't give a shit what your defense looks like. He's going to he's going to score or he's going to influence the defense in a way that is going to get other guys looks. So I think we have our guy that is capable of doing that. I think as, as much as I like Miles Turner, as much as I like DeMontis Sabonis, like the fact that Oladipo is not there, um, I think is going to hurt them in, the, in, in a seven-game series. Maybe not necessarily over these two games, but I think if you put us head-to-head, um, certainly on paper, we should be getting it done. With home court advantage, I think that's fairly safe. But if you give them the home court, and their defense is good, and our, or sorry, if their defense does perform how it has been performing recently, and our offense can't maintain that fire or can't, you know, perform as it has been, mm-hmm. then it, it could, we could be in deep, deep, deep trouble here because these paces kind of remind me of us last year. You know, they've lost, they've lost their key man. No one's really like giving them much of a chance, you know, under the circumstances. But they've just got heart. They've just got grit, and they can play as a team. And that kind of scares me when I see some of the team performances that we've turned out recently, um, by comparison. So, yeah, I, I, I don't confident, but I'm, I'm not betting anything on it other than other than my own happiness, which I don't have a choice about. 
Yeah, well, I mean, from a, a betting perspective, it, it's too early for the odds to come out. But like taking the pulse, you know, I asked a couple of the neutral friends of mine who um, obviously are not fans of the Pacers or the Celtics and, and just sort of reading around the internet, it, it does seem like the general consensus is regardless of home court advantage, most people pick the Celtics to win this series. And that comes yeah. down to the sheer amount of talent and, you know, one could still be hopeful for a certain level of cohesiveness and chemistry once the postseason begins. And, like, I, I kind of just imagine, I know I'm fantasizing here as a Celtics fan, but Smart, Hayward, and Horford, who, like we said earlier, fit that criteria of just, like, smart, heady players, just crushing guys. And then and then Kyrie Irving, if healthy, sort of weaving around those three very heady players and, and getting good looks. I just, I feel like that's a really formidable sort of combination of players. Um, and then obviously mm. we've got a, a huge amount of talent to rotate into that fifth spot there um, to to make that more formidable either offensively or defensively. So really looking forward to that. Uh, look, guys, we're going to take a very quick break and be back in just a moment for the Reddit recap. All right, folks, welcome back. This is the Reddit recap, and we're going to start with a post to Celtics Reddit by user McElwain, and it's a post of a Shams tweet announcing that the Celtics have signed Greg Monroe, the Moose, to a 10-day contract. Uh, Obviously, he's right around the middle of that contract at the moment. Started the season for the Raptors, obviously had, uh, I guess, an up-and-down portion of the season signed off the, the the buyout market from the Celtics last year. I'm just looking at his stats for for this season for the Raptors. 39 games played. Does he have any about... does he have any stats? <laughs> yeah, I mean they don't exactly jump off the page. Um I'm looking for some stats to call out. So 4.8 points a game. Uh 47% from the field, which is not bad. Uh not great from the free throw line. So I I guess Maybe I should have brought up his per 36 stats, but in, in 11 minutes a game on average, five points and five rebounds with a low turnover rate is, is, is not bad. But, I mean, let's be real. Essentially, Moose, Greg Monroe, gives us a big body off the bench in case of injury or foul trouble. Jackson, um, anything to add there on, on the Moose? Well, if he can, um, if he can replicate his, um, his historic triple-double for us, like he had <laughs> last season. That. I can't remember for the life of me who was it against, but I think we only had like two or three players with triple doubles last season and he was one of them. So go figure. Um, yeah, <laughs> I look, I don't... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like 10, 10 and 10 as well too. It was like the minimum <laughs> yeah. requirement. Minimalist um, triple double. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. But like, hey man, I'll take 10, 10 and 10 every every night if he's if he's if um if he can give us that. But look, um, I, I don't think we're even going to see him play, to be perfectly honest. I got nothing against the dude, man. I would, I would, I, anyone who puts on a Celtics jersey, I want to see them have the best performances of their career in those jerseys. So I'm rooting for him, but like, I don't think it's going to happen. I think like we didn't see him uh, against the Cavs. We, we saw, we saw, um, we saw our, our Gershon in there as a big body. Yeah. Baines obviously can, can, is the, the primary uh, big ticket that we go to. And, you know, Robert Williams getting a start the other, um, the other week or the other night, um, and and really landing badly was uh was, was sucked to see, but I just yeah. I just don't feel like he's gonna really crack this rotation at all unless we have some sort of horrendous um you know injury spell. And I mean he well, he's only got five days left anyway, so yeah. I mean uh, good to have him back on board, but like I'd I'd be I'll be amazed if we see him you know in anything other than garbage time. 
Yeah, I reckon we'll sign him though because it kind of it goes into the off season where we need another contract, like at sort of an MLE level to to potentially trade for Anthony Davis, like salary filler essentially. So yeah. if we can yeah. if we can fill that Could hole like that. as well as having some big dude who you know in Greg Monroe's case maybe knows the offensive and defensive schemes a little bit. That's maybe uh, you know killing two birds yeah. with the one stone. He, not he could, necessarily. And he could potentially. Yeah, and, and he, he could he could potentially know a thing or two about the Raptors' defense and offensive schemes as well too. We yeah. did spend some time there, so you never know. He might have a little few nuggets of information that could be useful. Yeah, double agent Greg Monroe, and let's let's not forget Game Two against the Sixers last year in the playoffs where we were down. I think it was like twenty six points or something. The highlights are on YouTube, and the Moose comes in and gets a couple of offensive rebounds, gets a couple of buckets, gets the Celtics going, and we we come back and win that game. Um, mm. so, you know, he's got that going for him, but let's be honest, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, let's, let's move on. So I'm going to combine these two posts cause they're very similar. Um, and because it's late and I want to go to bed, but user orange cookie and user cinnamon rolls have made two very similar posts to Celtics Reddit and they are trending upwards in the sort of the top post of the week. Um, they're so even cookie... similar. They're even similar usernames as well, too. They both look like treats. So yeah, they're, they're both. <laughs> Are we sure sounding. this isn't the same person just putting their phone? <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Yeah, it's delicious alt accounts. So Orange Cookie <laughs> writes: This team won't make it far if Marcus Morris is continuing to take the third most shots per game in the playoffs, as he has been lately in the regular season. And user Simonon rolls writes: This team will not be able to reach its peak until it is understood that Marcus Morris and Terry Rogier cannot combine for 20 field goal attempts every game. Jackson, I throw to you, what are you, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts? I guess there's like a balance issue, a shot balance issue here that these guys are calling out. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm, I tend to agree. I would much rather re- take out those two names and replace them with, you know, a Jalen Brown and um, who, who, who would be the, who would be, after because i'm assuming Kyrie is first is it is it tatum second marcus third and then is it horford maybe i don't know but look yeah i'm i'm with i'm of that same opinion too like i i would much rather the ball be in other players hands particularly in crunch moments and i don't want to feel i don't want to see like those guys out there kind of as they have been performing recently that wouldn't be yeah that wouldn't be great for us but I think like just to to Marcus Morris's defense like there was a period early this season where he was by far our most consistent shooter and I think like even though even though that was a bit of a like the the stretch of games wasn't great like this was during like the 10 and 10 start and into and but then like subsequently the winning streak after that as well too um he I still believe Marcus Morris is capable of being a solid contributor he shouldn't be the number three option i think he should be further down the pecking order and i think i I think the the guy can be can be an efficient shooter but i do feel like he gets his numbers up by at at least lately by putting up a lot of shots probably more shots than he should be taking so um i would much rather the the hierarchy of the shot distribution change around but i i don't think i don't think our success in the playoffs it purely comes down to if Marcus, Marcus Morris is the one taking the third most shots, I think there are far more subtle things in there. I think Hayward's playmaking is one of them. I think Kyrie's play, uh, performance in general is one of them. And it, basically Al Horford just being anywhere near the court, is, I think is more important there. So it is a factor, but I'm not prepared to, I'm not prepared to, to totally, you know, throw the Morris 
usage out completely. Are you of, are you in agreement, Ben, or something else? Yeah, I I think that there's a lot of benefit to starting Marcus Morris and playing Marcus Morris big minutes on the defensive end because as a stretch four, like if you think about our roster, we don't have that many other options, right? Like someone mm. who is big enough to defend uh, a, a typical power forward and potentially switch not only onto a center, but also switch onto guards. So if we're going to continue to switch everything on defense, Marcus Morris is kind of like as an archetypal player, like he's kind of perfect at that position. And it's just unfortunate lately that his shots haven't been falling. Um, Having said that, his shot IQ is not great and the offense does seem to stop with him. So while, you know, shape and size, Marcus Morris is is great in that position mentally, like he doesn't seem lately to be fitting in with the rest of the team. But that wasn't a complaint that I would have made at the beginning of the season, the first half of the season, no. when he was like shooting like at a sort of you know record high or season high, um, or at least career high percentages for mm. for Marcus Morris. Uh, Rody M eight writes on one of the threads here. Uh, we've seen these threads pop up a lot lately, and that's to say that there's been a lot of complaints around Celtics Reddit, Celtics Twitter, and Celtics fan bases that you know we'd like to start X player in place of Marcus Morris, and I, I think. Um, uh, Gordon Hayward is the name that you'd see there for the most yep. part, or Jalen Brown. Totally. And uh, E poor throwaway, E, e poor throwaway writes. I'm sorry, I've completely butchered that name. Uh, like mentioned above, um, it is what it is. Marcus Morris is going to shoot. The majority of his shots aren't actually bad looks; they just aren't falling. Brad doesn't care about players missing shots. We saw him allow Smart to shoot at sub 30 percent for three or four years, which I don't know. I I guess is uh, compelling and believable up to a point. Sure, like Marcus Morris, he might take quote-unquote good shots, but if they're not falling, at what point do you sub out him for a player whose shots are falling, like Jalen Brown, for example? Yeah, it's all going to be in the context of of, of the games that we play, obviously. Um, I, I I think everyone in the sub is kind of more or less universal in their preferences for who they want to see um on the offensive end like in terms of like who gets the shots and whatnot and that's and and that's pretty plain to see um but yeah i i I still believe he can do a job i think if he i think if he performs well it's going to be a big bonus for us i think if he performs badly then he's going to be made the scapegoat and he's probably not going to be back next season anyway so there's a lot at stake in terms of our season and a potential you know solid playoff run that could you know could could suffer as a result of his bad performances. But I think it's unfair to put that total on him because, you know, anyone could perform badly and we could lose there. So, um, yeah, I think that's all I've really got to say on Marcus Morris. Sorry. We didn't touch on Terry Rozier, but I think we touched on him earlier. Yeah. If Scary if scary Terry can come back for these playoffs, if we can get, like, you know, a Milwaukee Bucks series Terry Rozier, um, even just at, like, times throughout this playoff series, it's going to be huge. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably more, like, more hoping that we can get back to that rather than Marcus Morris kind of getting back to what he was about, you know, earlier in the season too. So if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean, I just, um, at a bare minimum, I'd like to see Terry Rogier maybe 18 minutes a game in the playoffs with a, a mm. plus minus of uh, zero or more, <laughs> you know, like just don't, <laughs> don't be a net negative on the court. Like don't yeah, lose I thought you were a lead. <laughs> I thought you were gonna. I think gonna say like two or three or four, but then he said zero. I was like, you know what? I'd take that too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we've all learned something as fans about expectations. Setting expectations 
uh, falling short of set expectations. Um, and so I, I want to temper set expectations with uh, with one Terry Rogier, um, who has been somewhat of a scapegoat and potentially rightly so uh, throughout the season. Uh, before we wrap this up, let's talk about the remaining schedules. Obviously, we've got this mini-series with the Pacers who we play um, on Saturday morning in our part of the world or Friday night uh, in the States. So I'll just rattle off the rest of our schedule very quickly. The Pacers, Nets, Heat, Heat, home and home there. Pacers, Magic, and Wizards. And with the exception of, I, I suppose, the Wizards, the remaining teams there are, are all sort of vying for playoff spots. So um, mm. like those Nets and Heat games and Magic games aren't necessarily going to be easy wins. And yet we need to continue rattling off these wins to, to, to first get and then maintain that fourth seed. So um, I don't know, are there any standouts there for you, Jackson, with those uh, remaining games? Obviously the Pacers. Yeah, Pacers kind of goes with that saying. Um, the Nets, they're, they they had this amazing little spell, uh, I think, like if, about a month or two ago, where they just, I think they were like one of the best teams in the NBA. D'Angelo Russell, I, it's, I was never like a huge fan of his, but his play this year, and like I'm sure a lot of people are in the same boat here, that he's he's kind of won me over, you know. Leave the Lakers, kind of. He can He's like laughing at them, you know, from from his from his uh, his Brooklyn apartment. Um, and that was, um, that's great. That's hilarious to see. So yeah, I'm, I'm obviously wary of them. I think the Heat games, like we had a really bad performance against the Heat earlier this season. Um, I would really hope to avoid something like that. But again, they're going to be trying to get that eighth spot. Same for the Magic. I, I, I can't remember the last time we beat the Magic, which is really frustrating yeah. <laughs> really unexpected like i remember that like the, i think we we lost to them earlier in the season i think like gordon haywood hit went for a three to tie it and missed it and we lost and we lost then and then i remember there was the game was it was it against orlando where like there was the, the the final play that went totally to shit that that when Kyrie was like swearing at everyone on the court or whatever yeah like, those I, I are the same those those, that's the same game yeah that's yeah when yeah things really start to go downhill <laughs> Yeah, and I can't. I'm sure. I'm. I think we beat them like one other time after, like before that, or one in between that. Doesn't matter. But yeah, that kind of bothers me a little bit too. So like, I think like despite the, having clinched the playoffs, and I really can't for the life of me see us like slipping any further down the the seedings, even if we were to have a losing record out of these last um these last seven games. Um, I would expect we could go seven and zero. We could go. I wouldn't say we'd go 0 and 7, but I think we could definitely win all of them or we could go and be about like, you know, 50, 50, 60, 40, whatever on either of these. But like, I just want to see competent, confident performances with no injuries. That's all I really want to see at this point. Yeah, I, that's the criteria. Don't get injured, stay healthy. Please, um, yeah. And that, you know, despite everything that's happened this season, a healthy Celtics puts us, you know, potentially, you know, in a much better position than we were this time last year, regardless yeah. of what's happened this so far this season. Uh, and the other thing is try and grab and, and hold on to that fourth seed. Speaking of which, I'm looking at the Pacers' remaining schedule now. They face the, uh, the very formidable Celtics uh, next up. Uh, followed by the Magic and a home and home against the Pistons, followed by us, Boston again, the Nets, and then the Hawks. So it's kind of a similar it's, end to the season. It's eerily similar, isn't it? You've got that yeah. du- you've got that double header against the team that's that, that's there or thereabouts. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very it's an ident- it'll be actually a really nice uh, cool barometer to like see how our final seven games go versus their final seven games. I get, I'm get the feeling they're going to be almost identical. I think, what, like I said earlier, I think it's going to go one and one against the Pacers, and I think both teams are probably going to go 
five and two, perhaps. Yeah, and then I, I suppose the last game of our season where we rest everybody, that's where Moose will get his that's customary <laughs> like, triple ten, triple double. <laughs> so look forward to that. It's triple double day, baby. Yeah, Marking put him in your fantasy lineup. Because yeah. a couple of years ago, Bainsey, the last game of the season against Brooklyn, put up like 26 and 10 or that's something. That's right, like too, crazy yeah. Bainsey numbers. So uh, plenty to look forward to. Whoever said that this is a boring part of the NBA season, uh, <laughs> certainly not me as yeah. I... Rock back and yeah. forth. Here, every, it's like every, it, my knees. It's like it's like it's like no one wants to finish their dinner because they're too excited for the dessert that is the postseason. It's like no no no. You know you gotta you gotta you gotta finish your taters. You gotta finish the the meat there. I don't know where this analogy is going, but yeah, it just it strikes me that no everyone's kind of <laughs> just lost a lot of interest in these final games. And let's be honest, they are ultimately insignificant compared to the postseason. But you've got to go through them, and they, and if something bad or something really really good happens in these next seven games it's absolutely going to influence the postseason. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested to see how these seven games go. Yeah, that that's fair. I, uh, you know, we've got a, one of the rare weekend double headers here. So in, in this part of the world, Saturday morning paces and, and Sunday morning, even earlier, it's 9am here in Sydney. Uh, we face the Nets. So <laughs> I don't know about you, Jackson, but my, uh, my weekend is uh, sorted. <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing's either better or worse than being hung over on a, Saturday, a Sunday morning and, and watching the Celtics either either tear up or, or lose badly or just be in an absolute nail-biter. It's just terrible for your health. Oh, but, it um, can, but it can cure a hangover if they oh, win absolutely. wholeheartedly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, it can go the other way as well. So uh, we'll see. <laughs> all right that's gonna do it for this one thanks everyone for joining us enjoy the mini two game paces series between now and the playoffs we'll be back in a week or so until then jackson it's been real thanks again mate thanks a lot ben apologies for my um for my hungoverness again no too, you were great but, oh thank Un- you unnoticeable unnoticeable thank you, mate. Well I, and i couldn't and i couldn't and i couldn't tell that you were high on crystal meth either so good job <laughs> <laughs> yeah glad i continued to uh, to hold that illusion all right everybody go celtics peace Thank you.